them howling around your kitchen door You better not let him in Little old lady got mutilated late last night Werewolves of London again has long been an obsession of mine. Well, I don't know if I want to say obsession. Something that is just extremely, well, maybe that's the correct term. Something that is extremely, extremely entertaining to me. Something I just love. And something with the release of Roland Emmerich's Moonfall. Um, something, the coming release. Something that has been extremely interesting to me. I just love disaster flicks. Like, Speaking of Roland Emmerich, The Day After Tomorrow, ID4, Independence Day, all sorts of Pearl Harbor, great stuff like that. I There's something about disaster flicks that's just wildly interesting that I just love, that I just cannot get enough of. And I don't know if it's something like the fact that that can't happen, something like that just can't possibly happen. And there's no, there's no way that there's anything. I, I guess kind of Michael Bay got kind of close with that with Armageddon. There's a possibility because it happened in the KT extinction with the dinosaurs, when an asteroid hit the Earth. Something like that is just kind of wildly interesting to me. So that could maybe like an asteroid could hit Earth. I guess that in the very distant future, maybe. The whole disaster thing, the whole disaster flick thing is just wildly interesting to me. And anytime I see a disaster flick or a disaster flick movie coming out, I always want to see it. It's just, I can't quite ex explain to anyone, I can't quite tell any of you why disaster flicks are just so cool to me. And so, and just so incredibly awesome. There's, there's... Maybe it's the outlandishness of them. They're just, to me, they're just, it's action and it's very entertaining, entertaining parts. And I like a good action flick. Don't get me started on action flicks. Well, you can if you want. Um, some of the best action flicks I've ever seen are U571 with, I want to say McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey, and Bon Jovi, and John Bon Jovi. And then there was Tombstone with... 
one of the one of and through what history has told me all my research has told me one of the most accurate representations or the accurate portrayals of Doc Holliday was Val Kilmer Val Kilmer did it in Tombstone that was a great movie that was a great action movie that those are just movies that I can get behind and I guess that's part of why maybe why what one of the reasons or one of the things of why I kind of like disaster flicks it's just it's just kind of raw raw rousing kind of action maybe that's it as I'm looking for an answer to a question there might not be an answer to so there's just it's, it's just wildly interesting some of the like I liked and most people after I say this people are going to go how did you say that why would you say that I like 2012 um, that was that was an interesting movie now I thought at times and I like John Cusack I thought at times some of the casting seemed a little bit off why was it like I like like I said I like John Cusack and I think he can fit in almost any movie or most movie roles he, he can I just didn't see that that role was really him, was really the best use of his abilities, and whether that's director's fault, the writer's fault, um, John taking the role, whoever's fault that was, and I don't want to assign blame, but it's just, it didn't seem like the role was best fit to him. Also, the same, the same thing for Woody Harrelson. That might not be the greatest role to fit. Now, Woody fit it better than John did, but, and the things that surrounded, that surrounded Woody in the movie, the whole thing about him, there, there is a soup, there is a super volcano and a, and a super thing like that in near the Yellowstone area. That, the way they set that up, that was interesting. The other things that I just, I just eat those disaster flicks, I just eat them up. I just love them. They're just, they're just, to me, they're really entertaining, and they're great. And I've done a lot of research on them. And a lot of from the film site, from Wikipedia, I've done a lot of research and trying to figure out where some of the greatest disasters have come from. And why disaster flicks? Well, some of the greatest disasters have come from. <laughs> That's a lengthy story that no podcast could cover, that no amount of episodes could cover. But I've often, I've often wondered that. And... I, when I was thinking of songs to recommend that hopefully they'll put, they'll put them on on the, on the front of this episode, I selected one of them. I was thinking about songs that kind of had the, well, to drop CCR, Creedence Clearwater Revival, who you heard at the beginning. Uh, well, I kind of thought, because the Bad Moon Rising is in the trailer for Moonfall, and I kind of thought maybe that's an interesting thing that you want to have at the beginning of the episode why it's kind of interesting there and it fits there and I've also done some research and disasters have been the subject of film goers fascination since the time of silent film epics and this interest continues to exist up to the present time catastrophes can take so many different forms but they are mostly man-made or natural they can be either impending or ongoing or set in the distant future or they can exist locally or globally. Some of the most commonly portrayed disasters in films are natural or environmental. Earthquakes, floods, hurricanes, tropical storms. Accidents like uh, the, rock, the rocks, skyscrapers, skyscraper fires, plane crashes, ocean liners capsized. 
Although you could argue that that wasn't actually an action movie, that was actually true, with the Costa Concordia, but we're not going to get into that, and, uh, or, <laughs> now that I said the Costa Concordia, the next line here in my research is here is, struck by icebergs, and we all know why that's famous. The result, and a lot of, the result of human folly. That's another one. Mistakes, international or un, uh, international. I saw the word unintentional and I thought international. Mistakes either intentional or unintentional, like 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 uh, asteroids. Criminally instigated bombs planted in planes. Terrorist conspiracies. Supernatural, nuclear-related crises, sometimes prophetically biblical, millennial-related or apocalyptic, and the result of millennial-related, the result of failed technology or technologically gone awry. Along with, along with showing the spectacular disaster, these films concentrate on the chaotic events surrounding the disaster including efforts for survival by the individuals experiencing the threat, the effects upon individuals and families, and what-if scenarios. The best disaster films comment upon the negative effects of the advancing technology, demonstrate the hubris of scientists and other individuals, deliver uplifting moral lessons of sacrifice, and they also provide a how-to in terms of how to avoid future occurrences and survival skills. Disasters come in many different genres. Dramas, horror, sci-fi, war, or adventure films. Most disaster films have large-scale special effects. Well, duh. Especially in the recent part past mega-blockbuster spectaculars. Huge cast of stars faced with the crisis a preserving hero or heroine, like Charlton Heston or Steve McQueen, called upon to lead the struggle against the threat, and many plot lines affecting multiple characters. In many cases, the evil or selfish individuals are the first to succumb to the, to, to the issue, to the problem. Well, the, no, the, the word in, in the article... I, I referred to says conflagration and not that many people knows what that means but I know what it means so I said so I gave you the example as in any subgenre the move to capitalize on the disaster film trend has led has led many subpar disaster films with weak and unstable formulaic plots improbable circumstances and bad science, poor character character development, and poor character-driven plots. I can point you to several things now that I mention that. And laughable acting coming from third-rate stars portraying child character, cliched characters. Child characters. Flip of the tongue there. Portraying cliched characters. A lot of what you have to remember with movies, and I said this being a movie degree holder, a lot, I've said this before, and I've said this before in several episodes, and I've said this before in several discussions. The thing you have to remember with movies, and the thing you have to remember with not just disaster flicks, but movies in general, is that 
the movie that you're seeing, no matter how historically 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 accurate they claim it to be, is not historically accurate. It will never be historically accurate. The reason for that being that the movie that you're seeing is one person's depiction or one person's perception of how to depict that event or how that event happened be it the writer of the movie or most commonly the director or the producer it's their perception of how that event occurred it may not actually be how how it historically happened how it actually happened when you see michael bay's pearl harbor or michael bay's movies or disaster flicks while the pearl harbor movies are Historically, because those events actually happened, what you have to remember is that those events may not have actually happened the way you're seeing them. So, the the ships might not have sunk in exactly that way, or some of them might not have sunk at all. Some instances show where, for the evolution of a storyline or the evolution of a plot, they'll show a ship sinking. Or they'll show a ship getting hit repeated times. When, in reality, that ship was never hit at all. There are times where where they'll depict people in combat as going into combat or being killed in combat. When reality shows you that that person was never even in the battle. So, they'll, they'll bring other characters in or they'll depict things differently for the evolution of the story. Or to move the story along. Or they'll see that, hey, this character has more essential evolution to the plot line than the characters who are actually there. So they'll bring that character, the unrelated third character, third party in, and they'll have him contribute to the storyline to evolve it. And then they'll come to the point where they say, hey, wouldn't it be great if, how far could we go if this character kicked the bucket? Heck, as a writer, and I, and I will admit that I'm guilty of guilty of this too. As a writer, I've said that not I don't something that's character. This character was never in the plotline that I've developed. But I would say that how how would it feel if this character, instead of being over here and unrelated to this part of the plotline, if this character participated in some way or got tangled up and connected to these characters and then became part of the plot line and what if this character what if this character kicked the bucket as opposed to this character could you evolve the storyline faster could you get to the point that you wanted to get to faster and make your point more effectively and if that answer is yes then they'll probably do that and like i said what you have to think about is what you have to remember is that the movie you may be watching isn't exactly how it happened. It may be 91, 92.9% accurate, almost virtually accurate, but it's only 92.1% or 92.9% accurate. There's things about it that are off that don't make any sense. Or that person, like I said, was never was never in the storyline, was never connected to it at all. And that's kind of what you have to remember, that you're seeing something that, like I said, is a perception. And the, one, of the, one of the greatest disasters in the end of the world films were the Selenite era through the 40s. There were many early earlier action-adventure disaster films in the silent era 
for the advent of the of what was then called the talkies. Some of the most notable work, some of the most notable films, were the Hurricane of 1937, with one of the most spectacular tropical storms seen ever shot in film history, and two 1950 films, the High and the Mighty was 54 and Zero Hour which was 50, 57 I believe they were the inspiration for the airplane disaster films of the 70s and Hitchcock's foreign correspondent in 1940 also, they also contained a harrowing plane airplane crash sequence the real heroes of World War II and perceived threat and the perceived threat of nuclear annihilation and the radioactive mutancy during the resulting Cold War led to a further onslaught of disaster-related films soon after the 19 after in the 1950s. Some of them being rogue comet close to Earth caused chain reaction of disasters from the end of the world. The last days of Pompeii, roughly 1913. The Last Days of Pompeii from 1935, Metropolis, the famous and legendary Metropolis, 1927, Noah's Ark, 28, The Wind, 28, La Fin du Monde, 1931, French, also known as AKA End of the World, Deluge from 33, King Kong from 33, The Last there's another entry, Volcano. Wait a minute, it's a separate entry. I refer back to my notes for this, and it says separate entry for the last days of Pompeii. I don't know why it's separated out like that. There was one called Mickey's Garden in around 1935. The 1906 San Francisco earthquake, also called San Francisco, and there's a San Francisco in 36. Things to come in 36. Remade as the shape of things to come in 79 there's a lot there's a lot a lot a lot I can't emphasize a lot in the 1970s though disaster films underwent a strong revival and the decade is often considered the golden era of the disaster film actual disasters such as the Watergate crisis from 72 to 74 the collision of two 747s in the Canary Islands, also what I should have covered in a previous episode, called the Tenerife disaster, which was actually horrifying, beyond horrifying. We should go back and listen to it in an earlier episode if you, when you can. Great episode, interesting, very, very interesting story. And that actually happened. That That is actually a detail, a very, not very detailed, a very detailed story and the three mile in uh, the three mile island incident in late march of 79 they made the time rip for hollywood to contribute big budget disaster films provided all-star cast and interlocking grand hotel or ship of flood type stories with suspenseful action races against time and impending crises in local in locales such as a aboard imperiled airliners, trains, crowded stadiums, sinking or wrecked ocean liners, 
I refer you to what I was just said earlier about the Concordia, or in towering burning skyscrapers or earthquake zones, which is kind of the earthquake zones, kind of the slight inspiration, I guess, for where San Andreas came from. San Andreas and 2012. There were also a number of films about about how pollution, overpopulation, and biological warfare was destroying society. To be popular, successful, or enduring, a disaster film must have a distinct crisis or a dangerous predicament that can be easily visualized, and it must also reflect problems in individuals or in a society. Producer and director Erwin Allen was nicknamed the Master of Disaster in the 1970s due to the tremendous success of his films. The three films most responsible for, for jump-starting the renaissance of spectacular disaster films were the social drama, social drama Airport of 70, the most popular film, and Allen's two special effect-laden epics. The Poseidon Adventure, there's something that was a classic that I know. The Towering Inferno, I know that very well. These kinds of films would often re receive numerous special visual effects Oscar nominations, but were often neglected for their acting performances. There has been a long tradition of... A long tradition of... They would say that if you have a disaster flick the acting doesn't really need to support the storyline or the disaster going on. And I would disagree. It's a movie that... Oh, I just saw something here in the notes. I, Armageddon, that was, that's what I was just talking about. One of the things that's funny, that's considered a disaster flick, yes, it was a disaster. And I will freely tell anyone, 100%, the Titanic was a disaster. But the movie is not a disaster flick. I would definitely not say that. I would say yes, the whole story and the whole thought and the whole legend of what it became and the whole story of the Titanic was a disaster. The movie that Cameron, the James Cameron made about it was not a disaster. It was not supposed to be that. Now I would often argue that it's not Titanic was not one of my favorite movies. I would also say it's not a horrible movie, but I would say that it's not one of it was not one of my favorites. And you can kind of I kind of get that. It's just I would say the problem one of the problems I had with the with Titanic is that the movie was called Titanic, not Jack and Rose. So if you're gonna make a movie called Titanic about the life and everything that happened on the ship and what occurred what what the ship did and meant to the cruising industry as a whole then make it about the ship and how the ship and how the white star line how everything established what it meant for society and the people who traveled on it it turned out it wasn't executed as well as it could have been and it turned out to be more of a dramatic romance kind of thing And say what you want about Kate Winslet and and Leo DiCaprio. 
I'm and I I'm not, I'm not I don't mean to sound like I'm hating on either one of them because I'm not, but I'm not a Kate Winslet or Leo DiCaprio fan. I don't hate them. I don't dislike them at all. I'm just not a fan of them. I wouldn't I wouldn't see any of their movies. Like if I had another if I had another option, if you showed me a Leo DiCaprio or Kate Winslet movie, and then you showed me. Uh, well, if he showed me a disaster flick, I 2,000% would see the disaster flick. I would see that before just about any other movie out there. Except a comedy. Um, but if you showed me a, a Leo DiCaprio or Kate Winslet movie, and then you showed me a Marvel movie, I would see the Marvel movie long before I would see the Kate Winslet or Leo DiCaprio movie. It's just, I don't, like I said, I don't dislike, I don't hate either one of them. They're they're not my preference. I'm not a fan. Now, they're the what what struck me like I said what I, what struck me about the movie was that oh there's there's a couple there. There also the Jurassic Park mentions right there. There I would also not consider them disaster movies, sir. Disasters occurred during those movies. Great horrifying disasters occurred to those in those movies, but they are not to me in my head. Those are they're not disaster movies. Um, to me, as I said before in previous episodes, Jurassic Park is my Star Wars or my Star Trek, and it's, it's very just I, I love the movies dearly. But they're not they're not disaster movies to me. Um, they're Titanic is more of a dramatic, like I said, a dramatic love story. Jurassic Park is more of a a survival when faced with with terrors or or dinosaurs in this case. When faced with terrors or things that keep you down or things that push you away or things that you have to fight against, how do you survive and how do you overcome? And it's, it's more like, I guess, an action kind of drama sort of. Maybe a drama. Maybe an action. Maybe it's kind of one of those things that kind of maybe defies how I would classify it. But I definitely would not call it as a disaster movie. Now, and that's another one listed down here on the list. Armageddon, that is definitely, definitely a disaster movie. 100%. Uh, there's, I mean, the casting, the casting was a little bit, you could have cast it differently. There are... Hundreds of thousands of other decisions that could have been made that could have changed that movie around. Was it a good movie? Yeah, I think so. Um, I would have casted. I wouldn't have casted. I wouldn't have cast Bruce Willis. I might have probably would have cast Liv Tyler. I might have thought about it a little bit, but I probably would have casted her. I can guarantee you, just because someone I'm really not a fan of, Ben Affleck. Nothing against him at all. Nothing against him at all. I'm not going to, I don't want to sound like I'm bumming, but I just, I just don't like Ben Affleck at all. I don't think he's a good actor. I don't, I just don't like him. Um, so I would not, I absolutely would not have cast him. And the fact, going another tangent here, quick tangent here this time, uh, I don't think that, 
I found the fact that they cast Ben Affleck as Batman kind of laughable, kind of funny. I, you know, and maybe this could be from maybe that could be from from Daredevil, that after seeing him as or seeing him as as Matt Murdock in Daredevil, I, I had a hard time picturing him as any other kind of or in any way. A, a hero of any kind. The same argument could also be made. And I've heard people make for after seeing Ryan Reynolds in Green Lantern, how how he could be a Marvel character of any other kind. Now that is great a bit different because I am a big Ryan Reynolds fan. I do like him quite a bit, um, and I could tell just about anyone that he knocked it out of the park with Deadpool. He was a perfect guy for that role, and he fit the role brilliantly. I wouldn't have thought. I, I again, this is because, like I said, I'm because I'm a Ryan Reynolds fan. That after I saw Green Lantern, I was kind of okay for what he did. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great either, but it wasn't bad. It wasn't horrible or anything. The disaster flicks are. I would group it down to more types of... I would boil it down more than what the notes and what these articles I've been referring to have boiled it down to. I wouldn't include movies, like I said, like Jurassic Park, The Lost World, Jurassic Park 3, Jurassic World, uh, Jurassic World 2, and, and Dominion. I wouldn't classify as that by any stretch of the imagination. Titanic, of course. I would call it movies that occur that that encounter that involve natural disasters, hurricanes, floods, earthquakes, stuff like that. Armageddon, you know, asteroids and comets colliding with Earth, like um, Roland Emmerich's film coming out called like Moonfall. That I would call a disaster flick, but things. To call Titanic a Jurassic World disaster flicks, I kind of think is a bit of a stretch. Like, I don't, I just don't get it. Uh, there's, there's, and they're all, like, they're all very, very intriguing. Just to me, it's, you know when you say a lot of times when you go to a movie theater or you go to a movie, you're going to a movie to get away from what else is around you, get away from the world, or pull yourself out from the world. You're going away, you're going to the theater to hide from the world, and ideally that's what you want to do whenever you go to a movie. You want to go for something like that. That's what you want to do. But it's always, that's, that's, that, and this, I could be a hitting on that when I say this. That could be when I say that. allergy cough again that could be what my huge attraction to disaster flicks are is that they're the best they're the best element the best movies that take me out of whatever else is going on around me no my life is not by horrifying by the stretch of any imagination is great um i have an amazing family i have said before to just about everyone that my family are saints. I love them to death. But maybe that's why the I love disaster flicks so much, and that could be part of it, that they just take me away from life, and they pull me out of this world into this fictitious world that's a fancy, that's fanciful, that doesn't seem like it would ever or could ever exist. And it's interesting to see just something so entertaining 
and something so kind of cool with that and with that in that respect it's just really really interesting and disaster flicks are just entertaining so there's a lot going on here there's a lot of things there's a lot of things about that but thank you all so much for listening thank you all for sticking around for as long as you have stick around for a little bit more in the end here Want to check out the best podcast and best YouTube channel out there? True, true friends of this podcast? Check out Fantastic Cruising over on Apple Podcasts and all your favorite podcasting devices and services. Give them a five-star review. Head on over to YouTube. Look up Fantastic Studios. Give them a five-star review and give them comments. They'll love that to death. They are the greatest podcast out there. Give them a shout-out. Want to check out the best travel vlogger and videos anywhere? Go to Atlantic City, Disney, Six Flags, all along the Atlantic City boardwalk, and go to Vegas. Check out the New York channel, N-U-Y-A-W-K, on YouTube. You will be thoroughly impressed and thoroughly entertained. You will love every second of what you're seeing. Go to YouTube and check out N-U-Y-A-W-K. You'll love what you're seeing. You'll enjoy every second of it. Want to check out the environment, the climate, the planet, and everything we can do to have an impact on it? Check out City Climate Corner on all the podcasting platforms, Apple Podcast, Spotify, on everything. You won't be disappointed. You'll enjoy and love what you're listening to.